are back on the Exit 52 podcast. It is a Thursday night. It's one of those thirsty Thursdays. Tomorrow you will be thinking about those Friday beers, but not tonight. Uh, tonight uh, we're chilling. It's just me and my man, Gentle Spen Crenshaw, just playing so much golf right now. When I, you know, when I pass on, I want to come back as you in the next life because you're you're just living. You got kind of a you know a golf bro look going on right now too. You got the vest on. You got sort of the broy hat. You know, it's maybe some vague California vibes going on there. You got the horizontally striped polo. It's just you're you're living right now, aren't you? I'm living it up, doing my best. We have like actual spring going on in Maryland right now. It's like a, a real true spring, which we don't get very often or very much of. So doing our best to to make. Make use of it. Uh, trying to break. I tried to pass from the the century mark. Tried to get into the double digits from the triples today. Had a little bit of a blow up. You should make a video series a about that. I'll uh yeah yeah we'll we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Me and you will go golfing. We'll take some videos and do some shit. Some some one of these days. Um, but yeah, it was a nice day. Got out. Had a, a free afternoon a little bit. So me and my buddy went. And hit up old uh, what is it Forest Forest Hill whatever Forest the hell it's called outside Baltimore Forest Park went there nice course uh, second time I played it it's it's like deceptively decent there's deceptively a great all right. uh, there's, there is a great no laying up video from there uh, when they came here for their strap series they did uh, that they did Rocky Point and they did Greystone and the Forest Park video is one of my all time favorites great course I played there I think two weeks ago yeah very solid some tough par threes some easy layup par fours and got through there. So great day playing tomorrow, playing Saturday, playing Sunday, Sunday UMD, which I played once before excited for that one. It's a super nice course too, the old college park. So yeah, doing the darn thing here. We've got uh, spring sprung and summer coming in hot, trying to go get fitted for some, some irons. My irons are ice cold, too short for me, according to uh, my golf pro. And then we'll go from there. So chilling Thursday night, Cinco de Mayo on a Friday. Lamar Jackson, NFL draft is over. Rock Sin sign. The Orioles are just absolute mayhem, but winning. So fun times. Yeah, things are good right now. And it feels weird. I'm just going to come out and say it because they, it, it was just a long, long time of things not feeling good. Um, I would say the Orioles, it's been kind of a steady climb. They had a lot of good vibes last season. But there was also, if you were you know following the team on Twitter, as both you and I and everyone else associated with this podcast are want to do, things could be tough at times. I think there was divisiveness, but uh, you just you can't deny the Orioles right now. They are inevitable. You can't deny them if you're a fan of them. You can't deny them if you are not a fan of them, uh, unless you're a Rays fan, which I, I can understand puffing your chest out a little bit because those guys are an absolute wagon, and that's going to be quite the uh, quite the battle here, I think, within the AL East, hopefully, and uh, the, the Orioles can, um, you know, kind of hold their own against them a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's been quite great on that front. It's been so, so good on the Ravens front, and it all just happened at once, right? Uh, it's kind of just like a, a before and after moment in your life. Um, you know, you, you have a few of those. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get too inappropriate here, but it almost feels like, you know, that that big moment where something happens and then you're a different person after that. And uh, everything is just... Uh, it feels good. If not for the rest of your life, then for a while, it feels like you really, you, you really knocked one off. You really got a notch in the belt there. So it feels that way, uh, definitely for the Ravens, and that's that's great. And we've been getting all sorts of content out of it. And it's funny that all the the signing news leaked on draft day, or maybe not even leaked, intentionally leaked uh, on draft day. I think you get into the draft, and uh, they select 
Zay Flowers, which is a very exciting pick. They get some other, you know, players that I think we, we should probably do a deep dive series on these guys to fill up some content before the summer really kicks off here. I think that would be good. So we can get deeper into, you know, Tavius Robinson, Caillou Blue Kelly, uh, things of that nature uh, as we go forward. But, uh, it, you know, just kind of a solid meat and potatoes draft outside of the Zay Flowers pick, but it was very nice. And then we had Lamar Jackson in the house today at the Castle which was uh, just a triumphant moment. He showed up rocking, uh, I don't know if you'd call it like a jerry curl or what that kind of hairstyle is, but it was it was fantastic. Uh, just had all sorts of swag. He, uh, you know, he signed the contract. He does the video where he uh, gives his little woo walking off the, uh, the stage and everything. He signs the wall. It's funny that they've made content out of uh, signing contracts now. I think that's kind of entertaining. It's just the, the state of where NFL teams are. I'm sure all these teams do it, but uh, cool to see that. And then the press conference, which is great. I mean, before that, though, did you get a chance to listen to Eric DaCosta on, I think it's PFTPM with Mike Florio? Yes, I did. Yeah, so I thought that was a really interesting thing to have happen where I feel like when you get EDC, it's usually in moments where there's not a lot of high leverage stuff going on. And maybe that's just the nature of the beast with the calendar where there aren't that many high leverage things for him to make media appearances around. But he gets that deal done, and then all of a sudden he's talking to Florio, and it's like, man, I can barely contain uh, contain things here. Where's where's there's just fire coming from all sides with the content. And I thought he had some really good candid comments about how it was sort of a difficult negotiation at times, but he always had faith. He never really wavered. And then I guess the main talking point to take away from it, uh, much to I think the feather in the cap of certain uh, sects of the fan base. Um, is that he felt like he didn't do enough at wide receiver, and he felt like that was kind of a self-evident thing. Yeah, I think that was the big takeaway that was trickling, and and it's nice to hear someone you know take accountability for themselves and not throwing their other people under the bus, things of that na- nature. Um, we got Jordan here; his braids were taken out. Yeah, I think he's about to get braided again. Usually, you see him go a little crazy. He tries to grow it out and uh, get his get his braids going. Usually, he tries to time it right before the start of the season. He'll He'll get his braids in. But uh, yeah, DaCosta's comments to me was a lot of accountability. It was a lot of fluff. And again, it's the good simulation where we're like, oh, it was always going to get done. I had some doubts, things of that nature. Uh, Then just skip one, I guess, pull one thing from the press conference to blend them together. Lamar getting asked about kind of ghosting the Ravens in text messages. He's like, oh, yeah, I was tired. Um, I... You know, had a I was rehabbing my knee and it was late and uh was just too busy. Yeah, the, you know, I was getting a lot of texts. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, things were always peachy and rose colored. No, clearly there was some turmoil. You could just tell it was it was that dark cloud. So instead of Lamar leaving or playing on the tag and then leaving or whatever it is, we we get the rose colored glasses on for that version of it. Uh, but to cost his comments about wide receiver, you know, I, I hear it to me. You know, he traded Hollywood, and I get that a lot of people wanted, you know, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown. They look at those trades, Stephon Diggs a few years ago, Hopkins a few years ago. They're like, we want that. We wanted that on the rookie contract. And I get that, I, and I think you're absolutely entitled to that opinion, and I think it's a reasonable argument, but just the Ravens haven't traded a first-round pick for a veteran player since Jamal Lewis, in, or for any player since Jamal Lewis in, what was that, 2000. So... They over 20 him? years. What'd you say? They, or did they trade up for him? Is that what happened? They did. They they traded up. The Falcons took him and then they traded up for him. I guess they so kind of they Jamal did for Lewis. Bowler too, right? 
I think they didn't trade a first though for Bowler. I, I think, think they, they maybe they did trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bowler was the did, last yeah. one. Actually, you're right. They traded next year's first to trade up and get Bowler. They got Suggs and Bowler. So yeah, there we go. That was the last time. What was that? 2003. Three. Yeah. So yeah, so so 20 years they don't do that. Um, if you want to disagree with that, you're entitled to. If you think they should, I think that's a perfectly valid argument. Tons of teams do it, uh, but they haven't. So they they go trade Hollywood away. Uh, there was that fleeting moment in the, 2000, the 2021 season where it was like, all right, they have Hollywood and Bateman and Watkins and Andrews and all those. Um, so it's nice to hear him take accountability. But, you know, to me, I think it was, it was a little in Greg Roman's offense. It was all right. But um, yeah, now they're they're past that. They go draft another one. And looking back at the Hollywood trade, like, I don't know, people hate this. I know Cole hates it, but. If you go watch Oklahoma Hollywood, it looks a lot like Zay Flowers. It looks a lot like a jitterbug that can bob and weave through traffic. And maybe, you know, Hollywood has an extra gear in terms of his deep ball track, whatever. But you're getting a player that, like Hollywood, can play inside and outside. Like Hollywood is a little bit smaller, stronger than Hollywood is, maybe not as big of a, you know, sixth gear guy than Hollywood, whatever. But now you're seeing Hollywood going into a contract year, going into wanting a huge, you know, probably going to want 70 million. I would imagine he wants like a Deontay Johnson type contract. I think they have kind of similar production profiles and are somewhat similar um, in terms of skill and talent and everything. So then you get Linderbaum, you obviously had Kyle Hamilton. Now you have Zay Flowers. So Ravens have kept the cabinets full in that capacity. I think that's what they like to do. They like to draft and develop uh, and, and they're, you know, bringing those three guys you're hoping those are all impact players. Hamilton certainly looks like one. Linderbaum had flashes and, you know, especially for a rookie center was so productive, so capable, especially on the ground uh, or in the ground game, I should say. And then Zay Flowers coming in the cheaper options. So like I like where they're at in, in hindsight. So, you know, people appreciated DaCosta saying that um, it's, it's all again, always nice to hear the accountability factor, but I think they just kind of got a shitty, you know, injury bug that went through, you know, maybe could have traded for a vet, but, didn't want to trade that first. That's not what they believe in. And, um, you know, it's it's wide receiver talk pandemonium. And, and I think we're done. Like, we're done for three months about talking about wide receivers. Are we done forever? I don't think so. Uh, we'll see what happens in October and November and December. Uh, I think that, you know, now we've got this the Lamar Jackson extension. I was thinking about it, too. Suddenly, everything's going to shift onto John Harbaugh. The entire weight of every failure is going to go on John Harbaugh now. And a little bit of Lamar Jackson, a little bit more of like, oh, when the Ravens lose, you know, if Lamar doesn't play well, of course, quarterback comes with the territory. But man, the Harbaugh scrutiny, if if they don't go to an AFC championship or something this year, if they have, you know, a, a reasonable bill of health, I think that's going to be the next, that's me predicting the next anger focus point and what everyone's, you know, criticizing play calling is going to be under the microscope, all that stuff. Dude, it was already kind of it was already kind of starting to bubble up last season. Um, and I, I don't think it, it was entirely unwarranted, but I mean, there were certain points when I think I've talked about this a few times. Like I remember listening to Glenn and Rita leaving the, uh, uh, maybe it was the Denver game. It might've, so I guess that might've been the game Lamar got hurt, but there were, there were people on the radio, like on one Oh five, seven, like talking about where's the accountability. And like Glenn, like screamed, like he was like, accountability for what they're eight and four and it was like i agreed with him but i i was also kind of like this product is not good right now like offensively it is not good it's not acceptable i totally get it from that standpoint but yeah i mean DaCosta went out and he he shot for groceries this offseason man he fixed what needed to be fixed from that perspective not only from a personnel perspective but you hire todd munkin 
that's supposed to fix all of this stuff or that stuff that we were talking about anyway. And uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's on Lamar to an extent, but listen, I got faith that he's going to go out there and play to at least his floor, which to me, that's 10 wins. And uh, I think it's up to John really from there to uh, see, see where they can take them. And yeah, I mean, I guess to your other points, like, you know, Hollywood Brown and Zay, I sort of see the comparison there that you're making. I think Zay plays above the rim a little bit more. I think he's got a little bit more power to his game, a little bit more sand in his pants, but Hollywood Brown, I would take in this offense right now. No questions asked. So like if, if that's the comparison we're making, I'm totally fine with it. And I, I was also fine with them trading him away because I didn't really have much of an interest in paying that player, especially in the world where they were going to be in a Greg Roman offense for the next year. So you got Munkin, you got flowers in the house. He's not going to be costing you very much over these next couple of years. And ultimately, yeah, it's just uh, it's good vibes all around. And um, we can continue to enjoy these good vibes. But yeah, eventually the conversation is going to have to be had about expectations. We've got a long, long way to go until then. Thankfully, uh, we've got a whole summer in front of us and a little bit more spring in front of us, and that's a great feeling. But uh, yeah, I guess you're right. And uh, Harbaugh was up there at the presser today, and uh, he was just doing the typical Harbaugh thing where, uh, you know, he's kind of slapping guys on the back and he's smiling and uh, he's telling this, you know, funny self-effacing story about how he uh, heard about the the deal getting signed and everything. It was just all very classic Ravens, and it felt, uh, I guess, to put a bow on it, it did feel very much like the good simulation uh, aspect of what you're talking about there. It almost like I was sitting there listening to it on my lunch break and I was like, man, this doesn't even feel real. Like we were so far gone with this thing uh, in so many different respects and they can talk however they want today. Uh, and I'm glad that they do because let's, let's put, let bygones be, be bygones. But from everything that was publicly known, and from everything that I think you and I heard some whispers about behind the scenes, and it wasn't just us, I think anyone who's anyone that's even a little bit connected knew that things were not great uh, all the time between these two parties. Uh, this represented a, represented a good wiping of that slate and uh, just a good chance for them to really move forward. And, uh, you know, I don't even think they really need to patch things up because I think all those things can go unsaid. I think they, at the end of the day, and this is something they said, and I believe them, at the end of the day, it was just business, and I think they really do like each other, all three of these guys and everyone um, on both sides of that negotiation. I think there is genuine you know, love and respect there between all of them, professionally and personally, too. Uh, and Eric Chacosta making the good point about you don't pay you know, a, a great player, you don't make him the highest-paid player in the NFL, you make a great player and a great person the highest-paid player in the NFL – and, you know, Lamar, I think he's got some shortcomings, I guess, in some respects. Maybe he could be a little more mature at times. Um, I don't know. You know, he's not the most perfect player in the world. But it sounds like, you know, none of that was really too much skin off Eric Costas back at all. I think he wanted to get this done all the way along. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, this whole thing about let's give him the franchise tag or the non-exclusive franchise tag, as they discussed in the presser, let's let him see what his market is and uh you know ultimately nothing wound up developing and uh that wound up kind of being that master stroke to your point they let him see his market they let him test it out nothing was really out there and then lamar uh actually made an interesting comment today that josina anderson confirmed that teams actually did reach out uh i'd be curious to test the veracity on that but i mean if he's saying it and josina is saying it too uh no reason to doubt it necessarily but uh, just an interesting kind of thing to throw in there a little bit offhanded i'm surprised that didn't get more traction but you had that, and then you had you had him ultimately saying um, all of that to say that he wanted to be in Baltimore no matter what. So, 
Yeah, it all worked out. It was the the sun was shining. I mean, you mentioned that it is spring and we it's been feeling like spring. I think it was today, but it's been kind of shitty the last like week or two and it's been like cold weather and that kind of thing. So let's have more days like today with the weather and with what happened at the castle because I think it was all very good vibes. It was the good simulation uh, that, you know, Ravens fans frankly deserve. You know, this is, we're a spoiled fan base. We need to be in this place. We can't handle being below that in any respects, whether it's in record, in performance, in vibes. We need to be right where we are here right now. It's not always going to be this perfect, but when it's May, it should feel like this. It shouldn't feel like it felt for, uh, you know, before a week and then everything before that for a year and a half or whatever it was. It needs to feel more like this, and I'm glad that it does right now. Definitely. They, they talked about Lamar Jackson's knee as well, which um, I did hear some things that teams, some teams that maybe were potentially considering quarterbacks kind of were, were worried about that PCL, um, some weird stuff. You know, I'm shockingly not a doctor, contrary to popular belief, I know, but some weird things about that. So, so that's really ho- you're hopeful there. Um, and a lot of we get the details of the contract. It's the largest signing bonus, $72.5 million in NFL history, easily trumping Dak Prescott's, I think, $66.5 million, $22 million cap hit this year. Uh, I think it's a 33 next year, hops up into the 40s, then up into the 70s. Jackson gets a no-trade clause and a no-tag clause, so the Ravens can't go tag him. Uh, and we hear they he Jackson was asked, you know, what what got this over the hump, and he said there was some language in the last thing that DaCosta said, basically, that I really liked. And I would assume it's that. I would assume it's that's the guarantee part. That's the not language guarantee, but that's the Ravens guarantee that we can't trade you. You know, we can't tag you. This is our big commitment to you. This is not just a three-year deal. This is beyond that. So definitely a a pretty historic contract in many ways, the the tag and the trade clause in there, huge for him. Uh, The vibes are, are certainly high considering where they were, you know, when his knee was hurt, when the Ravens are battling the Broncos to the fucking death in a 10-9 game, game winner, James Prochet throwing interceptions, national media coming to practice to ask questions about when Lamar's coming back, the Ravens aren't mentioning his name, all that stuff. So at this point, it's awesome, awesome to see, awesome to hear, and, you know, really run out of excuses. And uh, Mina Kimes, who I, I like Mina, I really do. I think she is good. She knows the game of football for sure. I think she's a little bit bubblegum, you know, it's it's ESPN. They're They're for the common men. I think she has to, I think to to your point, like if you listen to her on a podcast, I think she gets more in depth than the TV hits that you see. Cause she does, it is when you're doing that, it's like you got somebody in your ear. All right, 60 seconds go. This is all you got to do. So for sure. But she brings up, you know, a good point talking about the Ravens today. And it's apropos of, I, I imagine actually it was a segment talking about the fact that he actually signed his deal today. Uh, Lamar did. So she says, you know, in the second half of the season in 2022, the Ravens were second, defensively in EPA per play, third in DVOA, fifth in yards per play allowed. And she said, I'm excited about the new offense, but it's the balance that makes me think they're legit contenders. And that's the quiet portion of this offseason is that it feels like the Ravens knew they were trying to pay Lamar and they wanted to have, this is going to sound, I'm trying to figure out the right, right way to put it. They wanted more of a system, a draft and replace system like, you know, Henry Ford's freaking assembly line for the Model T. Like, they want to be able to fill in their system repetitively. I feel like it's a repeatable type of defense. 
that is based on making quarterbacks have to go through their progression and stopping the shit out of the run. So those two things combined to keep you super competitive. They limit explosive plays. They make teams go down the field. They have the depth in the secondary, um, you know, looking at the defense and, and we'll get deeper into it, but uh, yeah, defense is super exciting, man. And, you know, there's some Patrick queen drama, some of that stuff, but, but really pales in comparison to, uh, you know, everything that went on with Lamar. So it's exciting. This team is, is full. And I guess we can hit on, you know, rock is in, we had connected for a long, long, long time, like all the way through free agency. He's brought in here. Sounds like the Ravens were super interested. They're able to get him to wait it out. Maybe doesn't have a ton of interest elsewhere. But again, a system type of player where it's like, okay, you had Marcus Peters who couldn't really turn and run after he tore his knee and was getting older. And he's someone that you wanted to vision the quarterback or vision the underneath route concepts and jump those, play the ball. Now you have someone that maybe isn't as talented in terms of ball skill as Peters, but someone that can click and close and was like a prolific wrestler and is an awesome tackler and can hit. And you don't even feel like his maybe lesser aspects you have to hide. It's like a cheap, easy replacement level player that can be a cog in that system for the Ravens defense. Um, so I'm excited, really excited to see what Mike McDonald does uh, with, with this team. They've talked about Munkin. They talked about Munkin at the press conference today. And that, you know, Lamar's reached out. He's super excited about the new offense. He was looking through his iPad, all those kinds of things. But what'd you say? That was good to hear that he and Monken had had spoken a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So good vibes there. But um, we know McDonald's defense a little bit, a a lot of bit. But still, you know, it's year one. We'll see. Year two is where you're really digging your teeth into what you've implemented. Um, So Monken's offense, you know, we can speculate about what it'll be. It's been many different things throughout his tenures in Cleveland and Tampa and uh, with the the Georgia Bulldogs. But McDonald's defense, man, super excited. Uh, got to watch a, a really in-depth clinic on his pressure system and his pressure see- scheme and the way he likes to ID things and things of that nature. And, and I think this defense has so much potential to go even further than they did last year. Uh, they don't have you know a prolific pass rusher necessarily or anything like that, but they don't seem to really care. They can manufacture some pressure still a la Wink Martindale, but don't need to send five, six, don't need to play press man and, and try and blitz a little bit, you know, not the, the whiskey drinking long sleeve under armor, freaking high tech wearing gold, gold chain, chain wearing. Jordan swinging. Yeah, exactly. Not, not that kind of uh, defense necessary, a little smarter, a little more modern in some ways, not as, as risky. So excited to see what that system's like and what it continues to grow into as, as McDonald gets more comfortable. I mean, shit, the dude was, second youngest defensive coordinator in football. First time he's a coordinator in the NFL with one year of previous experience at Michigan. And the defense looked incredible in the second half. Like they had to rely on their defense so heavily for so long, especially when Lamar went down and stepped up to the plate and stepped up to the plate in that playoff game in a tough environment against a really talented team that knows them well. So um, throwing some, some love to the defensive side of football, excited to see what they can do and, Man, it's uh, it's an exciting time in Baltimore as as the Orioles are just setting the world on fire too. Yeah, the Yasin signing, I I do like it a lot. I think you had made the point that, and you kind of just made this comment offhandedly that maybe we're starting to severely overhype him a little bit. Um, and it's really to me like he's just kind of a, a starting level talent. I think Cole made this point too in our group chat. Starting level of talent, that's all they needed, and uh, that's kind of exactly where I was on board with it too, a little bit. And it's funny because. Um, I think I saw Voss talking about this today on Twitter. He was kind of 
bemoaning the lack of, uh, I think, corner depth or something like that. And um, I didn't, and like the point came out, I think Dev said, you can't have, you know, studs everywhere. And I think Voss said, he kind of came back with 2012 Ravens as like an example of that. And I, I, I couldn't respond to it. I can't get in these Voss Twitter rabbit holes. I, I love the guy, but I can't get stuck in one of these threads in my mention that's going to go on for, you know, 20 hours. So I just kind of filed it away. And I was like, well, 2012 Ravens, I kind of thought back to that. And he had Lordarius Webb, obviously, but he gets hurt. And then who steps in? I mean, it's Kerry Williams and it's Corey Graham. I wouldn't necessarily call those guys studs, but they were a couple a couple free agent signings, I believe, that were, you know, they were, very, they were raucous ends. Yeah, they were solid players. And Corey obviously had a massive playoff run and he just completely played above his uh, probably his expected level as EPA or whatever. And then uh, Kerry actually had a nice playoff run there, too. I think he had a, a pick in that AFC championship game. So if you can get something like that out of Rocky Sin, I think that's perfectly fine. And then if one of Jalen Armour Davis, Pepe Williams, or Brandon Stevens is able to step up to a competent level, that's very helpful too. Uh, obviously, depth is still going to be a concern, I think. But at a certain point, you kind of just got to say, like, yeah, like the depth is, isn't great uh, because this is just sort of where you're at with these guys, unfortunately. But maybe they could make another uh, veteran signing. Maybe you bring back a Kyle Fuller or something like that. Or maybe you pull those resources elsewhere, you go and sign a Jadavion Clowney, or you bring back a Justin Houston. feels like they're not totally done on defense yet, but uh, I don't know, man. It feels like if they're not done, then they're damn close to it, because this feels like a really, really solid unit, to your point. For sure. I, I mean, I don't really know what what is depth. Like, what I don't know what more depth there there is. You've got starting corners, and you've got Brandon Stevens, who you're expecting to be a starting it's, caliber player it's the, this year. Uh, it's Ocean's Eleven. Think we need one more guy, right? I think we need one more guy. That's that, that might be what get, it is. Get, get Bernie Mac in there. Get Bernie Mac in there. Get yeah. get them all. Get yeah, get Asher, all. But um, work with some proper villains again. I, there you go, James Con son. What is Scott, what is the son's Con. name? Scott Con. Come on, Scott. Entourage Scott, legend. Scott, Scott Con. Yep, Entourage absolute stud. Helping Vince buy dinosaurs and and do all sorts of bad things. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't know what depth is really beyond, beyond that. Like you don't have two all pro corners. You have one, like, I, I don't know. Brandon Stevens to me is someone that could have, maybe you count on starting this year and probably will at some point I would assume. And I'm excited for beyond that. Like the guys you mentioned, Pepe and, uh, Caillou Blue Kelly and Jalen Armour Davis. Like that's a, there's going to be a death match between those guys in training camp. Like that is going to be, someone's going to get cut out of that corner room someone's not going to get snaps someone's not going to prove it on special teams so that i think is probably the most exciting kind of battle to look at you know left guard sure but that's i don't know throughout training camp you really can't until there's some preseason games you really can't tell what the hell is going on in practice you can pretend that you can all you want but if you're not watching tape and have practice tape you don't know what the hell is going on in my opinion at least so um that's where i'm looking that's and like you said, I mentioned a couple of veteran guys on the outside, but I'm, I'm just, again, confident in the system and their ability to replace and understand the defense as a whole and where pressure comes from, where coverage holes are there for, and how to fill those. And to have a guy like Roquan Smith now in the middle of that that is doing all of those things, that is the highest paid linebacker in the NFL, is even more exciting. Dude didn't have a training camp last year with the Ravens, came in halfway through the season, was a fucking animal. And their defense, like... It, I don't think people understand how insane that is. It's crazier on the offensive side of the football. Defense is a little more universal. We've talked about that. But um, 
for him to come in and immediately have the impact he had was nuts. Now let's think about comfortable, confident, knows it, has that experience, able to grow from it. So um, defense super fired up about and, and excited moving forward. And man, I mean, like you said, finishing touches, sure, bring in some some veteran minimum guys, a Clowney, a Houston, whatever, maybe another corner. Maybe we we see some Adrian Amos in the comments here, but time to to fire this thing up and. Yeah, I guess it goes back to the point of Johnny Harbaugh, you know. Got to make sure this team really is truly firing. This is your time, John. This is your time to get everybody bought into the same message. And uh, can you do it in, in, you know, deep into your second decade with, uh, with Lamar's now signed? Vibes will be higher. Smiles will be abound all summer. Todd Munkin seems like a, you know, a less drunk Marty Morinweg kind of guy. And I'm sure we'll have some nice quotes and smiles and things of that nature. So uh, I think it's going to be a bubbly, fizzy, fun summer in Owings Mills, Maryland. And this is kind of the start of that rookie OTA is getting underway here. Lamar signed and mini camp and training camp and all that good stuff. Yeah. He's like cybersecurity, Marty Mordenweg. Like he wears around like a Patagonia vest and like he plays, you know, golf three times a week and he's, you know, semi-retired, but he's still kind of running his company. And uh, yeah, he's just sort of, he's, it's, it's a similar vibe, but it's, it's maybe a bit more of a touch of class is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. It's a sober, uh, clear-eyed, coherent Marty Mornweg. Yeah, no, his, his 401k a, is vested. He's he's good to go. His kids are all doing really well. They're crushing it. Uh, and he's just, he he couldn't be happier. Full head of hair. It's great. But he, he loves to tell you about, you know, when he was wild. Oh, yeah. He's he's wearing the Titleist visors to MR Ducks. And he's, you know, he's flirting with all the 20-year-olds. And, you know, uh, I can't, you know, but hey, maybe that's sort of, sort of the, the fun of it for him. But uh yeah, no, we, we all know that guy, and that's Todd Munkin. So there, Mike McDonald, Todd Munkin, you know, you're, you're supposed to have kind of your dream team here. This is, this is you know, you, you interviewed all those people. He's your top guy. You bring your boy Mike back. So, Johnny, it's your your time, man. I mean, uh, I think I saw a tweet because the Bucks coach was fired who just won the NBA Finals, like, so recently. And someone was like, John Harbaugh has been a coach for, you know, over 15 years, has won one Super Bowl, hasn't been that close in a while. And it's like, yeah, now's your now's your fucking time, John. So uh, that's where all the scrutiny is going to be and excited to see what he can do. And uh, my, I guess my grand question and moving forward is like, will John Harbaugh outlast or fall short of Lamar's contract? Like, will he still be here at the end of Lamar's contract or not? I mean, uh, of this current contract, Mike McDonald and Anthony Weaver, are like both in the house, like both those guys should be head coaches within three years, in my opinion. So like it, it does become a question to me a little bit. I'm as big a John guy as there is, but like it's all we're we're coming up on I shouldn't say we're coming up on twenty years. It's like what, sixteen or seventeen at this point, but it's it's in the it's it's within the, the horizon here. And uh coaches just don't hang around that long. I mean it's Belichick, it's Tomlin, and that's kinda it. Like Andy Reid. Reid too, Carol, but I mean he was he was coaching at USC and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, and he's, you know, he bounced between Philly and Kansas City. I mean, like, hang around is in, like, with one franchise. One like, one tenure with one team. Yeah, yeah it it's, just doesn't, the doesn't happen. the proud brave. Yeah, so, I don't know. Sure. I mean, so. yeah, if he could, you know, if he could win another Super Bowl, he's Hall of Fame easily in my book, uh, and then maybe he just walks away, which would be the ideal scenario, I think. But, yeah, if, if he can't play the guitar at this point, I think maybe it is time to start thinking. But there's no reason to even talk about that because uh, we got, like I said, a long way to go. So is that all we got on the Ravens? I think that is all we have on the Ravens. Then we got this mailbag going on here. 
and we will get into some lovely questions. Ultimately, we have dun, 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 dun. we had Jake Vogel, our boy, the Georgia kid himself, mm-hmm. ask. Give us your projected personnel package usage rates, barring health. How much? 11, 12, 10, 22, et cetera. Who are you most excited to watch in training camp? We'll get to that one. Do you expect some more passes to running backs? Or do you think wide receivers keep running running back the substance list? So let's go with the first one. How much of what personnel? Um, at this point, they're equipped to be super versatile. So I would say, you know, 50%, 11, probably somewhere around there, 40, 50%, 11. Um, Let's go with like 50, 53% would be my best guess somewhere in there. I think 12 was the by far the most efficient pass set in the league last season. The Ravens also led the NFL in frequency of 12 personnel on passing downs. So 12 personnel, I don't think is going anywhere. They love likely. They love Kohler. Those guys are receivers. Like those are not your inline studs. Mark Andrews has gotten very solid there, very adequate and adept and capable but i mean they've got those big boys for all the receivers you have i don't care what anyone says it can help jackson munkin's offense can help jackson he's the lead at throwing the football over the middle of the field and he likes to throw it to bigger boys there so i still think that's going to be a heavy heavy part of this offense and i'm excited for it and i think that we're going to see likely and kohler you know be a major factor especially in the red zone so i just would say that the Ravens will be the most diverse in terms of all of those. They're they're going to turn up the 11 a little bit with what they have. They have Aguilar and Duvernay, who I kind of put in the same realm of capability um, in terms of production, you know, as that that wide receiver for A and B. And then the other guys are going to need reps too up up top. So um, I like 12 though. You know, rotating different looks out of 12, using Flowers as your your jitterbug, using him as your jet sweep guy again. He had I think 60 carries at Boston College, like put the football in his hands, get him activated in that sense and let him do his thing. So, um, you know, I also would love to see them keep Odell's snaps down early in the season, let him ramp up through and get comfortable. So give me some 12 with some flowers and some Bateman and some Aguilar and get likely and Andrews on the field a ton, get a little cooler in there and um, then let Gus and JK do their thing. So I would think somewhere around 50%, 11, 12 personnel, I think is, you know, 20, 25%. And then the others are probably going to be like 10, 12, 15%. I'm curious to see like when you talk about 11, 10, and even like zero, is that going to be more? And people are talking a lot about, okay, well, Greg Roman's gone. You're getting this ostensibly more pass heavy coordinator. Does that mean less running of the football with Lamar Jackson? And I hope not. I just hope it looks different. I kind of want to do a little bit less of this power thing that Roman was doing, which was very effective. And I liked it a lot, but it just feels like teams are kind of attuned to that now. I'm kind of wondering more about some of those more spread out packages. Do you spread the field out, get a bunch of athletes going, get guys in man-to-man, and then that's maybe either a de- more designed running for Jackson or more scrambling where he's kind of just taking off and uh, doing the Seattle thing that he did in 2019. I'd, I'd be interested to see because you have more talent to not only go out there and win in one-on-one situations and win versus certain zone uh, coverages, but also to draw more attention away and to allow for Lamar Jackson to be more of an efficient runner. So I don't need him to be this like massive producer on the ground, but I don't know. I just think that's kind of an interesting wrinkle that not a lot of people are talking about. Yeah. Georgia, it looked a lot like kind of some zone zone counter stuff with Stetson Bennett a little bit. Um, the, the man gap bash stuff just 
is so efficient. It you have to still have it in the bag for sure, um, and and pull it out. I would say once or twice a game, just because it is the most. In my opinion, it's the most effective play in football. Um, and we've seen so many teams copy it that have a capable runner to the degree or some relative magnitude of Lamar Jackson. So would expect it to be a much heavier zone split in that sense, but um, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch what wrinkles Munkin adds to that. And I would think that they moved on from Roman after so many years, but it's like Lamar checks into the quarterback bash and the veer. He calls those at the line a lot. It's when you see the gaps lined up the way that you want them, you see the techniques of the linemen and linebackers and, and get a read that you like. I, I think Lamar does an outstanding job checking into those. And I think he doesn't really take a lot of beat. Like he doesn't get beat up. He, the most beating he takes on those is like when he, do, when they do it in like short yardage with the game on the line. So if you have other answers, you want to make the backs, the bell cow bell cows in those situations more. So I think that's a great idea uh, to, to keep the wear and tear off in those situations or at the goal line or things like that, where that that's where the physicality sets in. Um, but you know, it, those, all of those concepts make space still, but I think we will see some more space utilized. Uh, the Ravens spread things out in 2021, a little bit out of necessity, uh, condensed it back down some in 2022. But I think, I think Munkin will use the length of the field a lot more in his alignments, uh, especially than, than Roman did. And at times, especially in the past game on passing downs, third and long, second and long, third and medium, all of those, those known pass situations. So, um, that's, where I think they're at. I think there's going to be super balanced, man. I think that's what it, it always, the goal has always been harmony and balance, the run in the pass, play action. It's still Harbaugh's team. That's still what they want. And I think Munkin can bring it a little bit closer to Keel in those capacities. We have Jake, not State Farm. Actually, what about we had Jake also asked, who's the most, who are you most excited to watch in training camp? Uh, probably likely Kyle Hamilton. I like that matchup. I like those guys. I like, I like seeing what Kyle Hamilton's going to continue to do. I'm, I'm very fired up for that. What are we going to get out of Dante Demas? That's my question. It feels like he could kind of be in the mix and it's like a little bit of a cutesy kind of fun story. You like to talk about the Terp. I think Taylor was talking about this on the pod earlier this week. Uh, he obviously has more of a, a closer tie to Demas than even I do, but I don't know. I just like the idea of him maybe battling for that sixth roster spot and maybe Ideally, getting back some of that juice that he had in Maryland that had people talking about him as a day two, maybe even day one pick before his injury. Uh, that's just a guy that really kind of intrigues me a little bit. So Dante Demas, it's like at the worst, is he just Shamar Bridges? Because that's perfectly fine. Yeah, um, Demas was so, so, so capable. So hopefully it's the the Tylen Wallace. Hopefully he continues to get a little more explosive coming back from that knee. And then Jake finally asked, do you expect some more passes to running backs because of Munkin's history at previous stops? Or do you think wide receivers keep the running back receptions low? I think running back receptions are like, they were so minimal that they absolutely, any change in offensive coordinator would return, return to the norm to some degree. I think that the backs will get involved a little bit more. Uh, the shittiest part of Gus Edwards injury, like to me personally, like that I hated to see was that, he had made so much progress as a pass catcher and it showed up so much in 2020 and him starting to be a playmaker a little bit out wide. You've got like some highlights against the giants, him able to go be comfortable outside on the boundary, uh, you know, catching the ball deep, deep, deep towards the sideline a little bit, working that capacity. That sucked. Same thing for JK too. All they talked about before his injury in the preseason game was that he was going to be this key featured centerpiece of the 2021 
pass game. And at Ohio State, they would split him out wide a ton or in the slot, and he would run, you know, pretty nifty routes, in my opinion, back when, when we were doing some breakdowns of that a few years ago. So um, those stunk. And then for those guys to not really be able to participate in training camp, kept that from happening yet again. So hopefully this is the year. And I think Dobbins out of the backfield needs to be utilized. We saw it in Cincinnati in that playoff game. Throw him the ball in the fucking flat. He's going to go find that end zone. He is a premier to me. I think the best thing J.K. Dobbins does is score from inside five yards. He is a prolific scorer. I, I think he scores on – I did the math during the season, and that was like my my big I hate you, Greg Roman, because of this. Like Dobbins scores on well over 50% of the touches inside five yards that the Ravens have given him. I think it was like 11 for 16, if I recall correctly. And then, you know, that's why he's so pissed off in that Bengals game. It's like, all right, well, you did get to score one touchdown. He's like, no, I will score. Give me the ball twice. I will score. He is truly, it's the most cliche thing, but has the, the nose for the end zone. So I think it's stupid not to let that absolute muscle hamster go fuck people up on the goal line and, can't flip him the ball out wide and let him go make plays. Yeah, I would say I agree. Let's set it up, set it up a little bit easier and set it up for more success. Lamar Jackson does not like talking on the phone and he does not like hitting receivers in stride like when it's, you know, a little bit hard. Like let's make it let's get, you know, some halfback slip screen, what you know, the play in Madden where they kind of just flare out to the right and it's just an easy layup right into his hands. I feel like Lamar's and maybe there's some sort of analytics that you're going to throw at me that uh, negates this, but I feel like he does struggle hitting uh, running backs out of the backfield at times. So let's let's just set him up for. Success. I, th- I think that I think that it, part of it is because the backs so often would be super slow because it was like there would be times where they wanted them to go block potentially, give like a quick scramble read for Lamar. It just felt like there was no decisiveness about it. Yeah, where the running backs were ready, pass ready, hands ready, eyes ready, quick. Getting the checkdown game, being able to hit the flats, being able to make defenses respect the width of the field and the underneath zones opens things up over the middle of the football field. So getting more decisive action out of your backs, getting them to the flats quickly with urgency, ready, fluid, reps, like that was probably the worst part of Greg Roman's offense. Less option routes, less block and release, right? Like if if they're running a route, have them run a route. Like I, I like that, but let's let's you know eliminate the guesswork is what I'm saying. Because you're right, the scrambling element, like that's that doesn't help them either. Because like they're like, do I have to block? Am I releasing to go you know catch a pass here? What are we doing? Definitely, and and I mean the the all stops play four hitches, five hitches. They would run so often, like. It makes no spacing for backs as well. So that's that's the number one play I will be happy to see not in Baltimore so frequently, the the four hitches, the all stops. Uh, so, Jake, thank you for the questions. Appreciate you as always, Mr. Vogel. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Jake from State Farm. I mean, are we just State getting Farm, Jake bombed Jake here mode. tonight? I mean, I love it, of course, but. It's, it's, it's the Jake show. If the Ravens were to trot out an NBA starting five based on wow. players, who would you want? Who would you want at point guard, shooting guard? He basically lists the the starting five there. Uh, point guard, got to go with Lamar, I think would be nasty, able to drive a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I know I'm going to put Tyus Bowser at that wing position, played at Houston. feel like he can shoot a little bit. feel like he can get some boards for you. Um, at center, I'm, I'm throwing out Big Falele, man. I don't know if he'll be able to get down to the other side of the court or not, but 
Man, yeah, let him set a fucking. That seems like a, a conditioning you. nightmare for basketball and a pivot nightmare for basketball, but I like it. Uh, Odell Beckham is Definitely. your shooting I'm, guard. I'm going to put Kyle Hamilton at the two, and then I'm going to put Adafi Oa at the four. Interesting. I had Odell at the two guard, just kind of you know turning on a dime, just slash and dash, little Jamal Crawford situation. But uh, okay, I like Kyle Hamilton. Got to get Bateman in there as well. Bateman was uh, a pretty damn good basketball player in his day. So yeah, Justin Tucker. Go hit you some some corner threes. Hopefully, he's the eleventh guy maybe. that never changes out of the warm up, and it's just the vibes guy. Definitely, um, get Ricard in there to foul a little bit. Tyler Huntley's probably a little sick with it, if I had to guess. Um, defensively, man, I don't know. Maybe Marcus Marcus Williams might be able to give you a, a fifteen piece. I can see him being a little little nasty. You he's know who's like not that. making the team is uh, the guy wearing number forty four. <laughs> I've seen some of those Instagram videos and. Uh, Let's just say he's Brick he's City. he's a track star and he's a football player and that's that's about it. He is absolutely a, a walking brick. Lance at Shea Gilgis. Good options for the Ravens to sign in free agency. I just think Jake already talked about Houston. Already talked about Clowney. You know, mentioned those names. Uh, JPP coming back, I think, would make a ton of sense. And maybe if you're not going to go the Houston route, maybe Houston's done or wants to go elsewhere for whatever reason. JPP's body type and frame and what he's able to do against the run uh, would make, I think, a little more sense. If you want to pass some of the honest onto Ajabo and Owe to take a little bit more of those snaps. So I think those make a ton of sense. Adrian Amos, um, getting another vet safety in would make sense. Other than that, um, Cole brought up the good point. They don't have a, a backup center, really, at all. So backup center would make sense. There's a couple vets floating around. Britt. Um, ben Jones, Mothers. I don't know if Ben Jones would take a backup job. Probably not, but someone to that capacity. Um, it's really, really all I can. I mean, free agency wise, all I can think of. We'll see if there's a couple cuts that happen here in the next, you know, month or so. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with all those names, and uh, yeah, like you said, like you said, we kind of already went over it. And uh, I, I'd also be intrigued. Like, does Kyle Fuller just want to run it back? Maybe he just try to do it again. Um, I don't know. I don't know where his health is at, but that, that intrigues me a little bit. For sure. Patrick Manley at Patrick Manley Four. what is the floor and ceiling of the 2023 Ravens defense? Who is going to get sacks? I think who is going to get sacks is a good question. Uh, I mean, hopefully a job. Oh man, that's, that's what you really primed him for. You gave him that full red shirt. He's able to come in and immediately, as soon as he touches the field, go get a strip sack of Joe Burrow. Uh, so this is, is going to be his opportunity to get on the field on third down and, and go make hay. Uh, a man, I don't, I just don't think he's going to be a sack guy. I don't think he's going to be someone that finishes like that. I would love to see him again for the 5,000th time. Add strength, attack through the chest plate of a tackle, kick inside a little bit, stop trying to make him into a six foot five speed player. I, I would love to see that. Um, but I mean, Matabike, I don't think understands how to, I think he can beat blocks really well but he doesn't understand how to beat blocks relative to the quarterback like he will rush past he hasn't quite had that add up yet maybe he finally gets it this year but it just doesn't seem like that he doesn't have the natural eyes or tendency to get into that position um man i mean shit roquan smith hopefully patrick queen stays those guys were dynamite being able to to shoot gaps get on backs and, and go create some pressure a little bit and hopefully some of those DBs can do the same. They're they're lacking there right now. They don't have any sort of tried and true rusher. Uh, Bowser's always been a nice player that can go get you seven, eight sacks, which people say that with like their nose in the air, like it's not incredibly impressive. 
But I think Bowser, you know, five, six, seven, eight sacks. I think they're going to rely on Bowser. Bowser is going to lead this outside linebacker room in snaps for sure. And this is his chance to, to really have his legacy year uh, into his contract year, removed from that injury now. And um, one of the most, I would say, one of the more underrated players in the NFL, especially on the Ravens. So, in that capacity, what is the floor for the defense? I mean, floor is beyond, I guess, with an average bill of health, um, a t- a, the 10th best defense in the NFL, the second best in their division, third best in their division. They, keep the Ravens in games. They don't get smoked. They have, you know, one or two massive blow up games where, you know, they're not, you know, like the dolphins last year, things just aren't clicking. Someone goes down for a little bit. Um, I think kind of what we saw inconsistency wise in the beginning of the season, that's, that's the floor. And the ceiling is a unit that really just doesn't let up big plays ever. I think that's, that's, I think what the best success, I think if the Ravens, wanted to put it into one metric or one light sentences that they just don't get beat over top. They don't let up long runs They make you go down the field every single time. And I think that's what we saw at the second half of last year. They weren't letting up big plays. Um, you know, turnovers kind of quieted down in the second half of the year. I don't, I'm sure they want to create turnovers. Of course you always do, but I think just limiting big plays, making quarterbacks continuously have to pick you apart. And and really wearing teams down over you know a couple weeks a month, that's that's the best version of this defense to me. Yeah, in a 17 game season, it's just so fucking long. Like it's just too long, right? So there's going to be games where they don't look their best, and they're going to give up those big plays. To your point, and maybe it'll look like not quite a week to Miami Dolphins, but it'll look frustrating. And that's just sort of the nature of the beast in 2023. Uh, I think fortunately, to some extent, for uh, the popularity of the league, I guess, but uh, also unfortunately for those of us that grew up watching and loving defense, uh, it's just a little bit different now. So I don't know. I think uh, you you made a good sort of over-under point there. I think, you know, 10th, 12th best is probably their floor, in my opinion. When you look at the overall picture, they'll have games where they look worse than that. Uh, but I also think they're going to have plenty of games where they look like probably the best defense in the league. And there's going to be a lot of talk about that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think they're going to be right in that uh, right in that neighborhood. Well said, my friend. Then what else do we have? John Evans, our boy, asking, favorite thing about a long baseball season? I would just say nightly entertainment, man. I mean, I, th- I thought about this one lightly, and that's just what hit me. It's like the fact that I had a like, game earlier. I was on the course. I was listening on my phone, just had it sitting in the cart, and I'm disappointed. Like I'm sad that I don't have the Orioles game on right now to, to go catch my attention in the evening. That's the best part. Just every, almost every single night having that. That is why baseball has to say 162 games. It is beautiful, especially having a so. It, the Orioles last year having a somewhat competitive team that was fringe, maybe a wild card team was enthralling. Having a team that is on the second best start in, in franchise history at this point in the season is scintillating. It is purely electric. Yeah, March, April, May, June, and probably July to an extent. It's just pure comfort food for me. Like I just I have it on all the time. Whether I'm like, and there's there there are a lot of games. There's a ton of games. I might be in favor of changing it from 162, but I think you would just keep it as like 
the same amount of time, but you would do like a Monday and a Wednesday and a Saturday or something like that. But I'm totally fine with what it is now. And that's because like I, I was saying, I have it on all the time, whether I'm driving in the car, I'll flip it on to 98 rock and just listen, uh, whether I'm sitting down and just completely just engorging myself in it, which I probably do that for like once, once a week, uh, with the games. And then uh, other times, maybe like you said, I'll just kind of have it on my phone and maybe I'm playing video games or like reading or like doing podcast stuff or like work, uh, for, you know, other stuff It's just having it always be there and just be that constant, uh, is the best. And it's really just a great warm weather kind of spring summer sport. And, uh, there is, I mean, this is, I, I hope this isn't hyperbole. I think this is maybe the most fun Orioles team I've ever watched like through, uh, however long we are in the season right now, I guess six weeks or whatever at this point, these guys are just absolute chads out there with their, their long blonde hair and their, uh, their dong bongs and everything. And I mean, you got the right mix of veterans in there with Adam Frazier and James McCann. Like those guys are just true pros and they're just kind of, they bring a good dynamic where it's kind of like an older brother thing to some of these younger guys that are, you know, sort of uh, the young bucks out there sort of still learning their way a little bit. Uh, it's just a, a great dynamic. It's great to watch. And they're not, they're not getting too far out of the, over their skis, I don't think, either, because they're always going to be chasing the Rays this season, I think. Maybe not always, but they are right now. So it's not like they're, uh, they're they, not... They, they will always be. The Rays are so out ahead that yeah, they I mean, will be chasing them. But yeah, and I guess I say that to say that they're not going to be like... They're not going to Icarus in the first half of the season and then get to the All-Star break and things are going to go wrong. I think they're always going to have that, that carrot uh, on the stick to chase that are the Tampa Bay Rays, so... Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been a great season. I'm expecting it to continue to be a great season. And uh, yeah, it's a long one, but uh, I think that's a good thing. Definitely. I watched uh, Facing Nolan on Netflix about Nolan Ryan last night. And the it's hilarious about, I think the, one of the biggest misconceptions about baseball is that it's like tight-assed. And there are tight asses, of course, always in baseball. But I don't think the pl- like the players have never been and will never be. They no, are it's, showmen. It's that a couple, is, yeah, it's a couple loud voices of like the guys that talk about the the fucking the unwritten rules, like goose gossage and things of that nature. Like, and I like I think the perfect thing was the Wander Franco thing for the other night, where he flips the ball up and you know throws for the out at first base and just guns the guy down. That was awesome. Uh, but it's also like I was I'm starting just to get a- thinking because of that. Like, I don't care what your opinion about Wander Franco's thing is. Like, not you, but anyone in the Twitter world. I don't care what you think, but I'm glad that everyone has an opinion. Yeah, I, but it's just like it's just people are people are almost firing off these preemptive strikes of takes where it's like, oh, everyone's gonna hate this. Like, no, it's just like everything I saw was positive regarding that thing. And like, if not, then it was just like, oh, that's amusing. Like it, it just wasn't like, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think the gossages and some of these guys, I think their, their time is up. And I think they're, you know, if not gone, then they're, they're fading into the distance a little bit. And uh, it truly is. Baseball is just, I love, I love when Eric's in the comments here, just like get on you fucking idiot. Yeah. He, uh, and look at this, by the way, look at, look at you getting mouthy, mister. All right. Maybe you should get out of here if you don't care. Um, if you're not going to, you know, join the stream anyway, come, come defend your, uh, come defend your takes. Cause Eric, actually, it's funny. We were in the group chat and Eric was saying, dude, Wander Franco needs to get one in the fucking ear hole. I'm not riding for this. Like this is against the unwritten rules of the game. I mean, Wander Franco probably did say that. Yeah. He probably wears jerseys that has another man's name on it. And that's, that's sort of the, the line of thinking that he was taking. And, uh, oh yeah. Okay. Well, he is famously on a flight. Everybody say a prayer for him. Struggles with flying. I can relate to that a little bit. Uh, have fun in Arizona, my friend, at your your bachelor party. 
Sounds like it's going to be great. But anyway, my point. So, so in the Nolan Ryan, I'll spoil in in facing Ryan. He threw obviously the seven no hitters, insane person, insane human, all the stuff that he did. And this stuff was going on in the sixties and seventies. I think it was like seventy three, maybe. He's throwing a no hitter, and one of the opposing batters in the ninth inning goes into the clubhouse and breaks the leg off of a table and brings that up to bat with because he's like, I'm, and he was like, kept saying like, I'm not going to hit him anyway. I'm not going to hit him anyway. The guy walks up with a broken leg of a table in the seventies. Like stop the Wander Franco stuff has been going on forever. There's always been showmanship in baseball. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care about your takes. They always fight. Nolan Ryan was always beaming people with the ball. Like uh, it's just ridiculous, but that's why this Orioles team is fun. It is traditional baseball to have fun, and that ties back into John Evans' question, what's the best part? Right now, it's like watching the Orioles be entertainers, watching them have flair. That is the best part. A winning team having flair in a long season is is amazing. So, so many things are amazing. 162 games for a reason. We fucking love it. It is an addiction that that flows through your veins. Having that nightly, that nightly little, it's like a little dessert. Um, so, so we love it. A-Bits asks, is there another safety necessary for the Ravens roster as it stands? No, nah, I don't think necessary is, is the key word here. Um, don't, don't think necessary, but... Is it necessary is for me to depth drink my own you. urine? No, but it's sterile and I like the taste. Exactly. Alex Haney, that guy, 0915. If Kramer keeps struggling, who takes his spot? Someone in the farm or does Elias prioritize a starter at some point down the road? Um, man, I mean, you have Irvin doing that exact thing and hopefully is going to be able to come back up. So maybe those two do a little dipsy doodle, but my grand conspiracy is that the reason so many guys like there's just, they are getting blocked, but it's like, I don't think they're going to pull up Westberg or Kowser or anyone until the trade deadline. Like, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think they want to pull up anyone else. I think they're using, letting those guys sit in the minors as bait. They want them to keep staying hot and looking good and sweaty and shiny and muscular and for other teams to be like, yeah, yeah, that gets me going so that they can go trade for an arm that has control. The the Dylan Cease to Baltimore takes have been, or I guess just tweets have been rapidly increasing, and I think we're going to see that just continue. Uh, I don't know if that's the move, but at some point you got to buy a legit arm that is a contending, winning, capable arm. Even you know, I, I'm obviously you know not nearly as versed in baseball and the technical or fundamental aspects of baseball as football, but it feels like if they were just with how shitty their rotation is right now, if they were just to get a real true and tried stud, I feel like the confidence of your rotation elevates, knowing that you have someone consistently giving you quality starts. Um, so if that's a cease, if that's someone else, you know, of course Luis Castillo would have been awesome. The Mariners got grab him instead, and he's been fantastic, but. I think they're really just going to continue to showcase a lot of guys in the minors that it, it feels, I mean, how can they not make a move for a starting pitcher ahead of the deadline? It would be ridiculous. Yeah. I think it's kind of just one of those things where that war chest has been built up so much that I, you know, it, it almost does feel like an inevitable thing. And, you know, I, I don't know a ton about a lot of these guys. Like I'd love a cease obviously just for the name recognition and everyone seems to like him, but I don't know. Like there were a lot of guys on the, the free agency market. Some of them might've seemed like pie in the sky, but like, you know, there was legitimate buzz. Like, could they get Rodon? And like, he's not doing great in New York right now, is he? So I like, yeah, I, it's just, it can be kind of a crapshoot. And um, I don't know. I, I, I am very much on board with trading prospects if they have to though. Like eventually like, 
you got to try and field a competitive team and a championship caliber team. And you can't just keep kicking that can down the road in like a different way than that phrase is actually usually used. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see a move. And like I said, I'm not like breaking down tape on any of these guys, but uh, if they are willing to bring in that option uh, to eventually replace him um, in that capacity, then I'd be okay with it. I'd rather Dean just fucking figured it out because I picked him to be my, uh, um, like, I don't know if I said like a, you know, best picture in the starting rotation or what, but I picked Dean to have a big season and uh, it's kind of tough to eat crow on that one right now. So it is. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Otani obviously is a candidate. I don't, I just kind don't of, know. Yeah. I mean, you'd have we'll, to give we'll up see. literally, we'll you probably like Gunnar Henderson might be a starting point for Otani and I'm just not doing that. As a rental, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. As a rental, I don't think the Orioles would possibly bring in Otani unless it was a weird package of like a bunch of Vavras and Stowers and a, a bunch of kind of like their second, third, fourth tier guys ultimately. And it would still be super exciting if they did. And teams that have done that have had some success. But yeah, don't, don't, don't touch Gunner. Gunner. Gunner might be my favorite Oriole of my lifetime. Like you're, he might be my favorite big, player of my lifetime. You are a big gunner guy. You've been all over that uh, all over that train. I'm a big fan as well, obviously. Um, and yeah, I, it's it's nice to see him start to come alive a little bit the last few days. I think what did he did he homer today or was it the game before? He homer today. He hit a, a two run shot early. Yeah, yeah. And that hair was just going great. And he pointed up to the crowd. It's just you know great vibes around uh, the gun man. So he was just unbelievable at baseball in every capacity. His 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 slide the other <laughs> night, his like late sick. shooting hand was. Unbe- unbelievable yeah he had the uh, he had the throw to first uh, yeah he's just uh he's the the sauce is starting to come out a little bit it's he's he's starting to unlock things it's nice i, I think his swing's starting to look clean I, I posted a video today like i don't know yeah, what you I'm dig your, about but i you dig your film i know i know biomechanics I, I i know athleticism when i see it and he just like it feels like he's just like he's so emotional he's so gripping the bat he's in a hitting slump he's walking all the time somehow still too and he's just like swinging so hard like it's such an it doesn't look effortless it looks full of effort and today it looked effortless just yanked his hands through from his hips and stung one and uh i, I think he's about to get hot i think he's gonna have a huge june that's my my predicky there yeah it's the same thing with mount what else we got when he's slumping yes he's just trying to like fucking definitely throw all of his ass behind it it's like dude just relax a little bit take a couple pitches like let's the wall last year when he was having his his battles with the wall he was over swinging like hell too yeah um definitely he, he talked about that snow moose some guy a bunch of numbers could you see matabike or washington getting an extension during the season who do you think is more likely to get a second contract um yeah i could i could see an extension during the season for either, either one of them honestly i don't know i could see matabike wanting to be very expensive uh, and then the Ravens maybe being a little more wanting him to be moderately expensive. Like I could see him wanting over 10 million a year and the Ravens being, well, I'll give you seven. Um, so I think those are likely, I don't, I don't know. I, I think Washington, Washington had that weird off field incident last year that just no one yeah, talks that just, about. That just kind of went away. Didn't it? That, which is, you know, I, whatever, but good. For, I'm glad it did Good for him. Yeah. Sure. Um, but I, I love Matabike. I, I'm also Matabike is not, you know, it's not Gunnar Henderson level, but I think of Justin Matabike's fans, I am pretty high up there. If there, so if there is one Justin Matabike fan, you were that fan. If you, that, that whole thing. Um, I'm, I think if there's, I think if there's a hundred Matabike fans, I'm one of them. Okay. Fair enough. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, like, I'm maybe, yeah, go to him and try to, like, do that Tyus Bowser-type deal where it just makes sense for both parties and uh, you lock it down a little bit early. Uh, I wouldn't hate to see that, but that would obviously have to come before any massive production started to price them out of the market. So mid-season is an interesting thing, maybe before this season, right? Most certainly. And if, if he just, I think my prediction will be if he gets any consistent, turns in consistent impact, like he does, he takes on blocks well. He's a stern run defender, but if he starts to affect games consistently, three, four, maybe five games in a row, then he gets an extension. Then the Ravens aggressively pursue immediately. It either is going to come on this year or he's going to stay the same player he's been unless he gets a change of scenery um, is, is what I feel like. So if he gets any modicum of being what he's done you know, against the Browns, he always whoops the Browns' asses. If he can have three, four, five Browns games in a row um, against other opponents, then I think the Ravens would hop on an extension super quick. Washington, I don't think really merits like super, you know, he's a, a very underrated player, super effective two gapper, you know, effort stunts, pushes the pocket when he, when he can bats down balls, every, he, he maximizes what he's got, but I don't think they're pressed to extend him on like a three-year deal or something. Dr. Ghost of Chubbs, PhD, for 2020 vision. Oh, that's that's a sick little handle he's got going on. What's the biggest weakness of this team right now, referring to the Ravens, and what can be done to improve it? Also, what is the biggest strength besides Tucker being the best kicker in the NFL, and where does it rank in the league overall? I would say the biggest weakness would probably be, I mean – Having a tried and true pass rusher, having a dominant force that you feel like whoops good left tackles, that you are confident like causes issues when you're game planning and limits what you can do as an offensive line, as a quarterback, and and what you're comfortable calling. They don't have any impact player up front. Uh, maybe Ajabo can turn into a little bit of that. We'll see what he can do on you know first and second down if he can stay on the field enough in those situations to warrant that. Uh, I think he is capable of being somewhat of that type of player as a pass rusher. Um, but I would say that's that's the biggest weakness. Biggest strength, I would say, man, is just... I, I, think, I don't think because Greg Roman leaves that you're not capable of being a fucking wagon running the football. Um, I think they're able... After all that time with Roman, I think they've retained a ton of it. And I would say that they'll bring more juice in some ways because Munkin is a pretty classy mofo when it comes to inside zone. Um, when it comes to to wide zone. So I think adding those wrinkles a little bit more under. So I, I think their biggest strength is that they can run on whoever they want. Like all the time they can run on you. They can figure out how to be successful enough to win games on the ground, no matter what, always. Uh, I'd say it's probably their biggest strength. And where does it rank in the league? I would say, I mean, maybe the Eagles now are, are reaching that z zenith, but I would say, you know, no worse than three, if not two or one. Yeah, all very well said. I don't think we have anything else on the old Twitter. Let's see what we've got in the comments here. Trade options at corner. I mean, everyone's freaking out over Jair Alexander. I think there's like Jair Alexander Ravens like Twitter handles or something. Um, I would have to go through that one a little bit more thoroughly, but would would make sense to uh, to trade for a corner man. I mean, if you sin kind of looks like you know an average starter, and somebody's there, then. You can always kick Marlon inside. That's that's the sick thing about Marlon is that when you have a plethora of corners, you can always add any corner because he is so damn good in the slot and is un that's why he's one of the most. I'm I'm saying a lot of people are underrated tonight, but like 
There isn't anyone that does that other than Jalen Ramsey at Marlins level. Those are the only two in the NFL that have that inside-outside versatility and can straight up be a force in the run game, can rush the passer a bit, and be an actual star nickel-type guy. So um, I think that because of that, you can add somebody whenever, and that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, love it. What else do we got? What about Adrian Amos to fill a Chuck Clark role, let Hamilton dominate the slot again? Yeah, I wouldn't I, that's probably I would say that's more likely to happen than not if I had to guess Amos signing I would say is 51 percent he's had some versus uh, 40 Instagram activity too, following uh, members of the team and all that kind of stuff and uh, he's, he's into it that would be a very Taylor Smythe signing uh, Adrian Amos Calvert Hall Cardinal I believe so most certainly would be Ben Rose in the comments here love to see you Ben ask the same question Matt began Washington so we got into that one uh, are y'all feeling more optimistic this season? I mean, Jake obviously is so optimistic. Oh, you kidding me? If I was any better, I'd be in jail. This is uh, this is the best the best I felt in a very long time about this team. I mean, they were strong last year from a roster standpoint. Uh, the vibes were just so low, and you can't tell me it didn't have an effect on them. You can't tell me it didn't affect Lamar Jackson's morale. You can't tell me that didn't creep into things a little bit after his torrid start. Uh, started to uh, fall off a little bit there. There were obviously other extenuating circumstances, but, you know, that's that's not going to be there this season, and the roster is going to be just as strong. Uh, and, uh, yeah, of course, I, I'm fired up. You fired up? I am fired up. I think this team feels like it's a winner for the first time in a couple years here. I think going into 2021, they did feel that way, but it was starting to get a little, a little hairy, um, their offensive line wasn't capable of, of getting them to that point, even if there was better health probably. So right now, I mean, it's tough to poke holes in, in their roster. It's tough to poke holes in their coordinators, their head coach. You know, from top to bottom, it feels like through the organization, they're feeling themselves. Steve Saunders is gone. Like vibes are very, very, very high. Wherever you – I mean, wherever you look, everything looks – Purple tinted glasses, uh, awesome right now. I mean, I'm not going to pick them to win the Super Bowl, but I think they, I think as of now, my prediction is that they're playing in the damn AFC championship game. Like they're, they're ready to get to that point. They're ready to roll. Um, Munkin, we've, we've talked about so, so much. And at this point, I mean, they're balanced, man, on both sides of the football. They're capable on both sides of the football. They're experienced. They do have playoff experience. Like they're not green. They're also not, you know, in the last leg of a, you know, this is their their windows closing. That that's not the case either. So that was twenty twenty two. Yeah, I mean, that was like the day three Majora's Mask. The moon is about to fall. Like it's like this. All this is just crumbling down around us. And uh, no, now it's the dawn of a new day, and uh, a lot of, a lot of runway in front of us here. So just appreciate that. Definitely. Lamar Jackson says he went to the bathroom when the Ravens were at the one-yard line about to score in the playoffs versus the Bengals. He came back to Cincinnati in progress, taking it 99 yards to the house, and he almost broke his TV. He just almost did. Almost. Uh, So I think that does it for for the mailbag here. Cool. Well, uh, that was a good mailbag. Ran a little bit over an hour here. Uh, Just good talk all around. A lot of good Ravens talk, a lot of good Orioles talk. Anything else before we say sayonara for the week? I guess that's my, I guess I already gave my, my spicy take. Um, my two spicy takes, my, my black eyed Susan spices. Mm, 
Love that. Yeah. I Black guess, eyed I guess spices. Were that, that I think it was that, you know, Orioles trade for a starter. They're showcasing in the minors, black eyed spices, promo code exit 52. Go get all those amazing pixie and fairy dusts here. Prick is coming up soon. Get your spice game ready. Mm. Get ready to, to host. Get ready to marinate. It's meat. It's meat grilling season. You need some spices. It's time. Go to blackeyedspices.com. Promo code exit52. Those are my takes. Orioles are definitely trading for a starter. And that the Ravens will at least play in the AFC Championship game this year. Damn, we didn't even have our, our hot takes uh, segment scheduled for tonight. That's usually a little bit more of a... Uh, just, main... just throwing them some love. Just no. throwing them some Oh, love. yeah, we got to. That's value added right there, you know? And uh, we're, we're happy to do it because we do love those guys. We do love their spices. Um, at least I do. I think I'm the only one that still had, you know, been able to uh, really break into them, but I give them my seal of approval. I know the boys uh, take that very seriously. And uh, the uh, the boys over at blackeyedspices.com do as well, so check that out. Also, check out Fed Thrill, promo code EXIT52 over there as well. Get you a little markdown on some sunnies, uh, which, like you said, summer's not only right around the corner. It kind of feels like we're really getting there. It's uh, in the home stretch, so check out fedthrill.com to get yourself some sunglasses as well. And, of course, Jimmy Seafood just re-upped with us recently, which is great. Uh, Shout-out to Jimmy. Shout-out to John and all the guys running things over there. Always a... Uh, great presenting sponsor of this program. So uh, pop in over there, down off uh, Hollabird Avenue, I believe it is, down in uh, Dundalk, and uh, get yourself some uh, some nice seafood, whatever it might be, have a beer, and uh, watch some sports. And that that upstairs bar they got is just immaculate. It's uh, been there a few times. A couple Orioles events, actually, with uh, with Eric and Brian, um, yeah, over, over the last year or so. And uh, it's just always a great time over at Jimmy Seafood. So Go and check them out. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's all we got as far as sponsors to run through. Thanks for uh, giving me all your time and all your takes here. It's always a pleasure to sit down one-on-one with my number one boy. And uh, thank you everyone who listened with us live, who's listening on the podcast on your Friday commute, sitting in the office, whatever you might be doing. It's always appreciated. Appreciate your patronage. And uh, yeah, check us out on social media. If you like what you heard and you're not following us already, you can find us at exit52podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens for Dummies. That is the number four. Thank you guys again. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you very soon. Follow us on YouTube. Send this shit around. We're, we're building back up, baby. See you. Yep, build back better. That's what you're always talking about. <laughs> All right, what is it you want to do when you grow up?